This is the Gospel City Church podcast. Our hope is that this message is helpful, encouraging, and even life-changing as you grow to know the person and work of Jesus. Enjoy this message today. Luke chapter 20, verse 9, and it reads, And he began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and let it out to tenants, and went into another country for a long while. When the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent another servant, but they also beat and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third, This one also they wounded and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours and they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, surely not. But he looked directly at them and said, what then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Treshawn. I'm not sure, um, have you ever thought about the stories? Um, if I ask you today, hey, can you summarize your week as a story? Like, can you write a story? I remember one of these moments where at the staff meeting, um, at that time, Pastor Joel and Ellie was asking me, because I'm not good at storytelling. Like, they were, they were like making me to make a story, and, and I couldn't. Um, but as we read the story, this is a parable story that Jesus was teaching. Um, I think what we get to know is that Jesus was actually a very, very great storyteller. He was a great storyteller. Because in this short story, he's describing many things. He's describing a lot of things here. I think one, you know, he's describing actually the history of Israel. You know, how, how God has been sending his messengers, like prophets, and how Israel was rejecting them. And in the end, like, they were, like, killing people and rejecting God's prophet. But also this story is in some aspect, it's the story of Jesus. Because, you know, in the end, Jesus, Jesus was sent by God, but he knows that he will be rejected and he will be murdered by the people of Israel. But thirdly, I think um, what really amazing about this parable is that it describes human heart. I think it has a like, tremendous insight on human heart and the history of humanity. And then that's what I want to focus on um, at today's 
message. Because as we read today's message, you know, there are different people. There are tenants, there is the owner, and there is messengers and the son. So as we look into um, our story today, um, I'd like you to ask to really reflect on these three characters. And then that's what we're going to do. We want to reflect on the heart of the tenant and the heart of the owner and the heart of the son. So let's begin. The heart of the tenants. What is the heart of tenants as you read this passage? You know, I think we get to know that this, par- this is a great parable story because we really don't need a lot of like, cultural context to understand what's happening here. Even if you don't know the cultural context of you know, ancient world, you really know what the point is about. You know, if you have an ESP Bible with you, you will see that this small section title um, there, it, it says the parable of the wicked tenants. And I, and I think that's correct. Because the heart, the heart of tenants are evil. I think it's self-evident that they have done something evil, something wrong. But let us look into carefully, like why is it evil? You know, the story is like this. A man, there was a man, and a man planted a vineyard and let it out to the tenants. And the owner went to another country for a long while. Now, when the owner wanted to have the fruits from the land, and, and he sent a servant to get fruits. The first servant, when he arrived, you know, he was beaten by, by, by the tenants. And then the second one comes, but he was beaten again, and he was treated shamefully and kicked, you know, the tenants kicked him out. You know, the third time, they wounded him, and they cast him out. You know, here we read that the tenants are mean. You know, they are violent, and they have done something wrong. And I think that's clear. But if you look into carefully, the very reason that the heart of the tenants are evil is not simply because they treated the servants wrong, but it's because the tenants act as if the vineyard belongs to them. You know, they act as if they are the ones who planted the vineyard. And they are trying to be the owners of the vineyard, which does not belong to them. And I think that's what is evil here, on top of the many things that they are doing. And I think that's revealed much more clearly when, uh, when the son of the owner was sent and arrived. Look at verse 14. You know, when the sun was arrived, the tenants think and feel and act like this. In the verse 14, it says, But when the tenants saw him, the sun, they said to themselves, Oh, this is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Do you see their desire? I think that their desire is clear here. So that we may be the owner of the vineyard. And that was the evil heart of the tenants. You know, the immediate context of this teaching, of this parable story, Jesus was speaking to 
um, speaking against the religious leaders there. It was the scribes and chief priests. And in Israel's history, the people of Israel has been rejecting and killing um, God's prophet, God's messengers, like they were telling, the messengers of God was telling them to come back to God, to come back to his love, to come back to his covenant. But people of Israel, they continue to reject them. And it was God who gave them everything. It was God who gave them the promise. It was God who rescued them from the land of slavery in the Egypt. It was God who gave them the land that they can leave. And it was God who gave himself to be their God. You know, he gave his word. He gave his law. But Israel was like the tenants who were rejecting God constantly. And the story of Luke, as we continue to read, you will see that, you know, when the sun arrives, they are rejecting the sun as well. So that was the immediate context of this teaching. But more broader context, if you think about it, I think we get to see that it's not simply about the religious leaders in the, back in the days of Israel, but it's about the human heart. You know, the parable is also the story of humanity since fall. You know, do you see what the point, like, what this parable really points out to us? It's saying that humanity is like this tenant who claimed to be the owner. You know, the scripture tells us the root of all evil, all sin, is from that it does not acknowledge who God is. But more than that, it believes that we can become the true owner of our lives when we reject God and deny Him or ignore Him. And I, and I think there are uh, the essential application of Christian gospel message here. And I want to share two of them. One, you know, the message of the gospel is about the change of the ownership. It's about the change of the lordship. Now, our culture and our heart constantly tells us that if you become the true owner of your life, you'll find the true meaning and true happiness. Look at any stories from Disney and look at any TV shows. Like the, the repeated message is that if you can be free from the oppression of the culture and tradition, and if you can become the true owner of your life, then you will find the true meaning of your life and you will find the true happiness. But the gospel message tells you something completely different. Because the gospel tells you that what you need is not you being the owner of your life, but what you need is the true owner. You need God. Like, it tells you to stop trying to be the tenants who are trying to be the owner. But it tells you to accept the true owner of your life. You know, look how foolish it is in this story. You know, when these tenants are thinking that, hey, you know what? If we kill the heir, 
then we will become the owner of the vineyard. That's foolish, and that's unwise. And I think gospel tells us, the scripture tells us that, you know, you'll never get to, you'll never get what you really want and what you really need. But you can only find the true meaning of your life and true happiness of your life when you find the true owner of your life, who is God. And the gospel message is this, like Christ gave himself to you to be the Lord of your life. Because that's the only way that we can have true life. So when scripture talks about sin and evil, it's not simply about being violent or being mean or being adulterous. I think they are the symptoms. I think they are part of the fruit of evil and sin. But at the bottom, at the bottom of every sin, the core, the root, is the sin of rejecting the true owner who's supposed to be there. So being a Christian means that we're accepting Christ as the owner of our life. We're accepting, accepting him as the Lord in every aspect of our lives. And the second application is this. Now, it also means that for those who are in Christ, the true battle we face is a battle about the Lordship. A lot of struggles that we are going through, it's the battle of Lordship. It's really the question about who is my Lord. Do you know what it means that I'm becoming the owner of my life? Do you know what it means that you becoming the owner of your life? It means that I must be satisfied. Otherwise, there is no happiness. You know, my desire must be met. Otherwise, there is no meaning. Things must happen in a certain way that I want. And otherwise, it's in vain. That's the, that's the heart of me being the owner of my life. But the problem with that is that you will never find true meaning or true happiness through that. It's like tenants in this story. You know, the tenants who thought and felt and acted that they could be the owner of the vineyard if they got rid of the real owner. But that's foolish thing. That's unwise thing. So Gospel City, I just want us to remember that being Christian or being in Christ means that we know that we are the tenants and he is the owner of our lives. Every part of our lives, every aspect of our lives, he purchased it and he became the owner. And that's not bad things but it's a good thing that he has given us. Now, um, as we continue to look at the parable story, um, the parable is not really mainly about um, the tenants, but the real, real character that we need to look into in this story is the owner. And when we look into how the owner acts in this story, I think we get to see God's heart. He's not ruthless master, 
His heart for us is full of compassion, full of mercy, and He's patient, He's waiting, He's slow to anger. And the only reason that we are here is because He's compassionate to us. The only reason that we are here is because He waited for us. You know, let us go back to the parable story. Um, but this time, let's give a careful look at what the owner is doing. Um, if you look at it, the owner is sending this messenger, um, the servant, um, to, uh, to, to, the, to a vineyard. And imagine what would you advise if you know the owner? What would you advise? Because verse 10, when the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they, could, they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. Do you know what my advice will be? My advice would be, you know, my version of justice. Hey, you know what? It's you who planted it. You're the owner. It's, it belongs to you. And they have done something really wrong. wrong. Like, they're so evil. You got to send a military right now. You got to wipe them out. You got to kick them out. That's my version of justice, and that's what I would advise. And if, even today, you know, if someone comes to me and you know, share the story of you know, something unjust, that would be my, my advice. You know what? You need to find the justice. But the owner here sent a servant again. In a second time, uh, and then you know the way the tenants are treating the servants are, are getting worse. Uh, you know, first they were beaten, the second time um, they're treated like with humility, and the third time they're beaten and kicked out. And so the, when they when and then look what he says in verse thirteen. And it's it's again it it doesn't it's hard to understand for me. Like, my advice is that it's completely against it. Like, verse 13, you know, after three times, the, and then the owner of the vineyard said, like, what shall I do? And I'll send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. Again, you know, my advice will be, don't you know these guys are evil? Um, don't you see what's going to happen to your beloved son? Don't send him. You should send the military again. And isn't that what we expect when we face injustice and evil in our own lives? And then that's what we want. And we know that in this story, in the end, in the end, um, the owner is sending a military. Um, you know, he will bring justice. If you look at later in verse 15 and 16, uh, you know, we see that he will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. But at this point, like when he was sending the messengers and when he is sending um, his own beloved son, the owner is, you know, postponing his justice and giving a chance. And owner is showing his compassion and his mercy. You know, he's giving a chance 
to repent, a chance to change their minds, chance to respond different ways. And thank God, you know, this story shows that, you know, God's heart, it, thank God he's willing, thank God he's willing to send his beloved son. Do you see? His reasoning is very different from ours. And his timing is very different from ours. And he's being patient and he's merciful. You know, like the owner is willing to send his son. I think God was willing to send his beloved son to redeem. And then there are two things that we can draw like from here. And I think these two combined together, I think it provides a very unique view of justice for Christians. You know, one is this, one, his justice will surely come. That's what this story tells us. But the second, you know, God is full of compassion, full of mercy. He waits for sinners. These two combine, I think it really provides unique view how Christians see the justice in this world. You know, um, one, because that's the only reason that we are here. If, if God's justice was so immediate, and if he judged like at the very first moment like we sin or rebel against God, do you know what the consequence is? None of us can stand here because none of us would have a chance to really respond to his grace. But if God's justice never comes, do you know what the consequence is? Nothing has meaning because if there is no justice in the end, if this life, this is it, if you live a like, wealthy and prosperous life here, even with the like, evil means, that's it. But because there, is, there will be justice in the end, because there will be true justice and true restoration done by God, I think it changes everything. And that's what I want us to remember as well. There will be true justice, and true restoration, it will surely come, and that's what we wait in hope. I think one of the questions that I'm struggling with the most uh, is probably this question about evil and justice. Because a lot of people ask me, like, why? Why is there so much evil in this world? And why does God do anything immediately? And especially when it's personal, and when we experience this injustice or evil in our personal lives, when we are mistreated, you know, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard for us to get over it. It's so hard for us to process it. But I, I want us to remember that, like, my advice to the owner was very, very Selective. I think often our justice is selective. You know, our heart is distorted in many ways. 
you know, when it's someone else's sin and evil, you know, we don't want mercy or compassion. We want immediate justice and judgment. But when it's about our own sin and our own evil, you know, we don't want immediate justice or judgment. Like we want mercy and compassion. I think that's what I discover from my own heart. I am being selective. Like I'm saying, you know, for others, God, I want immediate justice. But for me, God, I want compassion and mercy. I think our heart is selective and our heart is often distorted. And even in our passage, look how these people in our passage responded to Jesus' parable. You know, for them, it was evident that they were the tenants. So if you look at verse 16, it's interesting. They're saying that when they heard this, they said, surely not. They said, no, the owner should not destroy those tenants and give it to others. Do you see they are being selective because they knew that, oh, the tenants in this story are them. You know, injustice and evil is hard. You know, the problem of sin and evil is difficult. When you have to endure the mistreatment, when you have to endure um, you know, mistreatment from your boss at your workplace, when you have to endure some sort of injustice that you experience, it is hard, it is difficult, but two things that I want you to remember is that we are saved only because he was patient with us. And two, one day in his timing, God will bring his justice and God will bring his restoration. And that's the hope that we're living in. And lastly, um, I want us to look at the heart of the son because in the end, without understanding the heart of the son, you know, we won't be able to really face that, those injustice and evil as, as we face. The heart of the son. I think the heart of the son, when we see the heart of, son, of the son, I think it really changes our own heart. Um, in the parable, both the messengers and the son sent by the owner, uh, they don't really have a word. They don't speak. The son was there. We know that from the story. And yet he was sent to the evil tenant. He was thrown out of his vineyard and he got killed. But in this story, the son is silent, meaning the son is not speaking anything. And I think the absence of the word shows his heart. The son, the son is in complete agreement with the father. The son is trusting what the father is doing. The son is obeying when the father is sending him. And I think that is the heart of Jesus and the heart of Jesus' mission. Jesus was sent to the world knowing that they will reject him. He was sent to the world 
where everyone thinks that they can be the owner if they reject God. You know, he came as a messenger and he came as a witness. And I believe that's why Jesus is explaining uh, with verse 17 after his parable is finishes. You know, if you look at verse 17, look what Jesus says to the religious leaders here. Um, he's quoting Psalm 118.22. Uh, it says like this, you know, but he looked at directly at them and said, what then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. It's from the Psalm 118, but I think it really describes what happened to Christ and who Christ is. You know, Christ he was rejected by the evil tenants. He knew that he's going to be rejected. You know, that's something planned in God's salvation, uh, like planning. It was written in the Old Testament scripture. You know, it means that Christ knew that we are evil tenants. He knew deep in his heart that we try to be the owner of our own lives. Yet he died for us. And he gave his life for us. In Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us. And that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. It's not that we try to make him as our Lord first, but he died for us first when we were still sinners. But two, but we also read that he has become the cornerstone. Though he was rejected, Though he was bitten, he was treated shamefully, and he was murdered on the cross in the end. The stone that was rejected, the son that was rejected, has become the cornerstone. You know, it means that he defeated the death. He resurrected from the dead, and he became the foundation of our hope, and he became the foundation of our lives. Um, Pastor Keller, uh, who passed away this uh, past Saturday, at one of his articles uh, on New York Times, he was responding um, to the article, with the article in terms of his cancer journey. Um, he was saying like this, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ really happened, then ultimately God is going to put everything right. Suffering is going to go away. Evil is go going to go away. Death is going to go away. Aging is going to go away. Pancreatic cancer is going to go away. Now, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ does not happen, then I guess all bets are off. But if it actually happened, then there's all the hope in the world. And my encouragement for us is that remember that he resurrected. And in the end, there will be restoration there will be true justice. You know, evil will be go, going away. Death is going to go away. Aging is going to go away. All the sickness and all the troubles that we are facing, it will be going away. So Gospel City, I just want to summary, um, summarize and, and finish our time. You know, know the heart of the tenants. You know, our battle is about the lordship. You know, we'll constantly, we'll constantly feel like we can be truly happy and we can truly find the meaning 
if we become the owner of our lives. The gospel tells us the completely different things. We'll find true happiness and true meaning of our lives when he becomes the owner of our lives. Let us trust him. And in, in that journey, know the heart of the Father. He's compassionate. He's loving. He's full of mercy. He's waiting. And that's why he sent his beloved son to us so that we may have life. And every day, every moment, be thankful and relying on his compassion that is beyond our imagination. There will be moments that you fail. There will be moments that we sin. But those moments, we trust what Christ has done again. And we come back. And that's our journey. So remember and know the heart of the Father. And lastly, know the heart of the Son. Know that it's not our love for him that saved us, but it's his love for us saved us. When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we are not able to do anything, he came and he died and he resurrected for us so that we may have true life in him. Let's pray. If you've been blessed through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. Gospel City is a gospel-centered church in Seoul, South Korea, on a mission to plant Korean-speaking, healthy, gospel-centered churches. You can give by going to the website give.thegospelcity.org. Thank you for listening and subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Remember, Jesus changes everything.